Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, thanks for joining us. It seems if the coronavirus is doing anything this morning, it's dividing politicians and also undermining the public's confidence. Australia's vaccine war of words has boiled over, with some states, Queensland the loudest, refusing to back Scott Morrison's decision to open up the AstraZeneca jab to all adults if they consult with their GP. It comes as more COVID exposure alerts were issued overnight for Queensland and New South Wales, while almost half the country remains in lockdown. Koshi. COVID-19 is causing chaos with infections now in every mainland state and the Northern Territory. New South Wales recorded 22 new cases yesterday. That's a total of 171, which is now more than the state's last major outbreak on the Northern beaches. South Australia recorded five new cases, all from the one family of a fly-in, fly-out mine worker, triggering immediate restrictions for Adelaide and surrounding areas. There's a cap of 10 on the home gatherings. It's recommended that people work from home if possible, and masks are highly recommended in indoor public areas and on public transport. Victoria has one new case, but the expected easings of restrictions from today have now been delayed. Footy crowds will remain at 25% capacity and theatre audiences will stay at 50%. And in the Northern Territory, Alice Springs has joined the growing list of areas now in lockdown across the country. Nat. Live now to our team of reporters. First to Taylor Aiken in Canberra. Taylor, the Prime Minister is under pressure to take back control over the vaccine rollout. Nat, fractures are really beginning to emerge within the Prime Minister's National Cabinet over new eligibility rules regarding the AstraZeneca vaccine. The issue was front and centre at press conferences right around the country yesterday, with many leaders insisting they would stick to the health advice provided by the federal regulators and those interested in having the AstraZeneca jab who are aged under 40 to have a discussion with their GP about the risks. But Queensland's Chief Health Officer Jeanette Young has slammed this new advice, describing the risk as too dangerous. I do not want under 40s to get AstraZeneca. I don't want an 18-year-old in Queensland dying from a clotting um, illness who, if they got COVID, probably wouldn't die. We are saying you need to speak to your doctor, you need to make an informed decision and if you consent, you wish to take the AstraZeneca vaccination, it is available for you to do so. The federal and state uh, chief health officers meeting daily to discuss this new advice and hopefully get on the same page as the Prime Minister desperately tries to get this vaccine rollout back on track.
Amber Laidler is in Bondi where the Sydney outbreak began. Amber, there are major concerns over a new mystery case that has emerged. Good morning, Nat. Yes, this mystery case is a 24-year-old unvaccinated trainee nurse who worked while infectious in the cardiology ward at Royal North Shore Hospital and the rehab ward at Fairfield Hospital between June 24th and June 28th. It's forced more than 100 people into isolation with health authorities now scrambling to work out exactly where she caught the virus. More than two dozen venues and public transport services across Sydney were placed on alert overnight. Those close contacted exposure sites in the city, Daceyville, Maroubra, Burwood, Irwood and Bankstown. You can find all of the details on the New South Wales Health website. Meanwhile, our private limousine driver, who is believed to have sparked this outbreak, is now out of quarantine. He and his wife telling media yesterday that they feel on top of the world to have recovered from the virus and to finally be allowed outside. He maintains he is not patient zero and last week Kerry Chant did admit that at this stage they haven't been able to 100% link him to that international FedEx crew. But uh, she did say that at this stage, he is the most likely patient zero. Health authorities overnight also apologised after Customer Service Minister Victor Dominello was incorrectly told he could leave quarantine. He was previously identified as a casual contact caught up in that outbreak that we saw at Parliament House. He tested negative and left quarantine. We actually saw him at the Premier's press conference yesterday. Just hours later, though, that advice was updated. Health apologising, saying he is actually a close contact but he's now gone back into isolation until mid-next week, Nat. Bianca Stone's in Brisbane. Bianca, what needs to happen for this lockdown to lift? Well, now, good morning. Case numbers are very important in lifting lockdown. Of course, unlinked cases of community transmission will be looked at, along with uh, testing numbers as well. We're going, well, so far, so well. We're about halfway through this three-day lockdown. The Premier won't make the decision until tomorrow morning, though. Three new cases of community transmission were recorded yesterday. They are deemed to be of low risk. One of them is the schoolboy brother of the teenager who works at Prince Charles Hospital. He tested positive to the Delta variant. He went on the family holiday to Magnetic Island with his sister. He also attended a tennis camp. Another one is a link to the Portuguese restaurant cluster. And the third is a co-worker of the Virgin flight attendant. That means that two new flights have been put on the exposure site list. Added to that list as well is Breeze Cafe. That is at the Prince Charles Hospital. There is a news agent at Brisbane Airport. And also on that list is a tennis centre at Chermside. In the previous 24 hours, 18,500 people turned out to get tested. There were long queues at testing sites here in Brisbane and also in Townsville. Anyone who missed out yesterday is being told to come back today to get tested. This clinic here at the Brisbane Entertainment Centre doesn't open until 8 o'clock already. There is a line of people forming, waiting to get tested. Nat? Amanda Backman is in Adelaide. Amanda, the COVID-free streak there is over. Yeah, good morning, Nat. These five cases are our first in more than 200 days. They are a minor who flew in from the Northern Territory on Friday night, his wife and three of their four children. Now, he subsequently tested negative, but after developing symptoms, took another test and subsequently tested positive. Fortunately, he and his family had been self-isolating and they are now under quarantine at a dedicated Medi Hotel. Now, he flew into Adelaide via Alice Springs on Friday 
Friday night and he was there for six hours and that is what has prompted the three-day lockdown that is now happening in Alice Springs. The flight he came in on, a Virgin flight, is now listed as an exposure site. So is Adelaide Airport for just under an hour last Friday night. Now, ahead of this announcement, there was a great deal of rumour and speculation in South Australia that we were headed for a lockdown, and that led to frenzied panic buying and long lines at the supermarket, which, as always, were completely unnecessary. It has also led to some new restrictions here, including a home gathering cap now at 10 people, a recommendation to wear masks when you're indoors in public areas, and also work from home if that's possible, if your uh, workplace doesn't allow social distancing. now, these restrictions will apply to Adelaide, the Barossa, Flurio and also the Adelaide Hills, but Nat, they do not apply to regional South Australia. And Nathan Templeton is in Melbourne. Nathan, current restrictions are staying put for now. Yes, Nat, there are no new restrictions being brought in, but some rules that were due to be relaxed this week, such as bigger crowds at uh, sporting events and theatres, will be left as they are for now. That's because of the COVID situation elsewhere in Australia and the threat of it spreading here. On top of that, the Victorian government has now declared Alice Springs as a red zone. That is the sixth major area across the country uh, to be considered a hot spot, meaning any Victorians returning from those places would have to test and isolate for 14 days once they get back. Matt. Thanks very much to our team of reporters. Australia's COVID numbers are growing with another state recording community cases. South Australia has seen five positive tests. A returned minor from the Northern Territory, his wife and three of his children. They are quarantining in a Medi hotel. The man sparked a three-day lockdown for Alice Springs after spending six hours at the airport while transiting to Adelaide. For more, I'm joined by former Deputy Chief Medical Officer and Infectious Diseases Expert, Dr Nick Coatesworth. Morning to you. Now, a significant proportion of this nation is now in lockdown. Is that a proportionate response to the threat of this Delta strain? Oh, Nat, regardless of whether it's a proportionate response or not, I think the message is absolutely clear to Australians and that is the, the game is about vaccination now. Uh, the way through this is vaccination and uh, we've had a lot of discussion over the past 24 hours about the sort of vaccines people should get uh, but the reality is that every Australian has a choice of obtaining uh, a vaccine when they become available towards the end of the year and that's what's going to get us out of these uh, recurrent cycle of, of very very damaging lockdowns for our community. Yeah, see, Dr Nick, that's where it gets confusing because you're the doctor and we're not. Um, and we've got a Queensland uh, top health chief yesterday saying, I don't want an 18-year-old dying from a clotting illness um, who probably wouldn't die of COVID. So under 40s shouldn't have the AstraZeneca. Help us understand if under 40s should have the AstraZeneca jab. Nat, first I want to say that nearly every medical leader, Omar Korshid of the AMA, the president of the College of GPs, myself, uh, distanced themselves from Dr Young's comments yesterday. She's unfortunately out on a very lonely limb there. For the Australian community, for your viewers, uh, it is the case that Australians who are young, who contract COVID, can go to intensive care unit, units and do have a risk of dying from COVID-19. And that risk is higher, that risk is higher, than the risk of uh, the clotting complications from the AstraZeneca vaccine. Uh, those stats have been replicated around the world. It's very hard uh, to 
to sort of combat the emotional argument of of the risk of death from a vaccine. Now that is 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 very hard to to come back with cold hard facts, but sometimes you need to. And the facts are that the risk of dying from an AstraZeneca vaccine is less than one in a million. And people need to have choice if they've assessed that risk and then they're perfectly entitled to choose as an adult, as a consenting adult, to have the AstraZeneca vaccine. So where is Dr Young getting this from? Because uh, there were big headlines yesterday. She was very strident and some people will listen. Well, that's right, Nat. They will listen, and that's why we're so concerned as a medical community with those comments. Uh, really, uh, this is about uh, practitioners who are seeing patients every day, general practitioners, physicians such as myself. We're the ones that are consenting the patients, uh, not the chief health officers. Uh, and so we uh, need to be able to have open and frank discussions with our patients, and uh, we shouldn't interfere with the doctor-patient relationship and the right to choose. So the other problem here, we had the federal government this week saying you should talk to your doctor uh, if you are under 60 uh, and you have the choice of having the AstraZeneca. But then we had the doctors coming out and saying the ATAGI advice, uh, which we're going to follow, um, is that AstraZeneca isn't recommended for the under 60s. What well, are we that's doing right. here? We've, we've got to get back to the original advice. And to an extent, it is true that not a lot has changed here from the original advice. Both vaccines are licensed for people over the age of 18, for adult Australians. The Pfizer vaccine is preferred for people under 60, but that doesn't mean and has never meant that the AstraZeneca is in some way banned for use in, in the under 60s. So... The, the advice actually hasn't changed. I think what did change was that the federal government offered indemnity, so stopping GPs from getting sued, in the very, very unlikely event that there was an adverse outcome or a, a, a bad side effect from the AstraZeneca vaccine. That's what's changed. Uh, maybe the messaging wasn't as clear as it could have been, uh, but fundamentally uh, the change wasn't a big one. It was about protecting doctors and allowing patients' choice. Yeah, and, and the messaging is really important because people are sitting at home and they're listening to the messaging. Dr Nick Coatesworth, we thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. And we did ask the Queensland Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, to come on the show. She was booked in and then late last night she cancelled. Here's Koshi. Now for more on the vaccine war of words, Finance Minister Simon Birmingham joins me now. Um, Simon Birmingham, are the comments from the Queensland Premier and her Chief Medical Officer a danger to the public health of Australians? Good morning, Koshi. Well, they're certainly deeply unhelpful and uh, I think the politicisation of the vaccine rollout that has been attempted uh, by some, and particularly by some state politicians in Queensland, is shameful. Uh, now, 7.6 million doses of vaccine have been uh, distributed and received by Australians. Uh, that's a really good start. Uh, what we want to see is, of course, yep. all Australians proceed through the vaccine rollout as fast as the supply can be made available. Uh, and I urge people to listen to sound, sensible advice like you just had from Nick Coatesworth uh, rather than some of the more extremist claims that have been made, uh, such as by the Queensland Premier and her Chief Health Officer. So you're saying she's an extremist and she is dangerous because we should have confidence in our politicians. They're undermining the vaccine program. It's frustrating, 
it is dangerous. Why isn't everyone on the same page? Is National Cabinet now dysfunctional, a failure? Kosha, it's deeply frustrating. Now it's for Anastasia Palaget who won't come on your program apparently to explain what she's up to. I don't know whether it's because there's a federal election due in less than a year and she's wanting to do the Labor Party's bidding uh, or whether she's just stirring trouble for the sake of it. But whatever it is, it's unhelpful. It should stop. Uh, all governments should be working cooperatively on the vaccine rollout. Yes, it's been challenging. The health advice has changed along the way in terms of uh, recommendations about which vaccine is preferred for different age groups. We've had challenges in terms of supply because European countries and drug companies have favoured those nations who've had high rates of COVID for the delivery of vaccines okay. like Pfizer, which has put countries like New Zealand and right. Australia at the back of the queue in terms of receipt of some of those vaccines. But they're coming. Uh, we saw huge numbers, 145,000 Australians being vaccinated yesterday yeah. uh, and we want to see those big numbers continue in the days, so it weeks is, and months ahead, it is, which it will enable us to race. get through everybody. It is now a race because the ripple effect on business is enormous, these lockdowns. What are you doing to help business survive these latest lockdowns? Well, it's 1st of July, Koshi, and the good news for all Australians today is that for business, small business, we'll see a further reduction in the company tax cut. We see an extension in terms of the full expensing measures that are there to help stimulate activity across the economy. We see more than 10 million Australians receive tax cuts uh, in the form of the low and middle income tax offset uh, that will mean there's another $1,080 available for, some, for many Australians in terms of support through that measure. Uh, there are, of course, uh, a range of activities that we're continuing okay. in terms of COVID support, payments across the economy, particularly to those affected uh, by yep. longer lockdowns. OK. Simon Birmingham, thanks for joining us. Here's Nat. Well, for more on the vaccine rollout, I'm joined by Lieutenant General John Fruin, who is in charge of Operation COVID Shield. Good morning to you. Um, we've got Queensland saying don't get AstraZeneca if you're under 40. We've got the federal government saying consult your doctor. We've got the doctors saying we're following the Atagi advice, which says it's not recommended for under 60s. Can you see why Australians are confused? Morning, Nat. Great to be with you. Yes, look, I, I think there has been uh, a lot of discussion in this space, but what is important is the ATAGI advice has not changed, the medical advice has not changed. And that is there is a preference for the mRNA uh, vaccines for those under 60, but the, the ATAGI advice has always been that with informed consent, uh, people under 60, and in this case now people under 40, can go to their GPs, uh, have the discussion and make an informed choice about taking AstraZeneca if they wish. Uh, right now, people are very concerned about getting COVID. Um, people have a right, if we have vaccines available, in this case we have AstraZeneca available, to go to their GPs and make a decision about whether it is right for them to get the vaccine now or to wait for later when they can get a different vaccine. Speaking of different vaccines, how are we going with Pfizer? Because there's so much talk about AstraZeneca and how safe it is. Uh, couldn't we get more Pfizer and give more people that? Now, this is a global pandemic and there is global demand for these vaccines. Um, we are getting uh, all of the Pfizer we can get right now. You'd be aware that I've released the projections for our supply out to the end of the year. 
Uh, we have Moderna also coming on later in the year as well. You know, right now, all of the Pfizer we get gets fully distributed out to the states and territories on a per capita basis. Uh, every one of the uh, jurisdictions is getting their fair share of the Pfizer we have. That's been opened up to over 40s. We've progressively opened it up to those uh, groups of the population that we can with the supply we have. In the meantime, we have AstraZeneca available and those people under 40 can make informed choice about whether they want it or not. OK, Lieutenant General, thanks for your time this morning. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, there have been growing calls for the use of rapid antigen testing in Australia, particularly for frontline workers. Now, many countries have embraced the test, which can produce results in just 10 minutes. You can buy it at the chemist. Mm. But Australia has not followed suit. Sunrise consumer correspondent Sean White has been investigating why. Yeah, Nat Koshi, uh, it's left many of our viewers scratching their heads. If there's an easier and quicker form of testing, well, why aren't we using it? Uh, I've called in the experts to explain the state of play. Well, long queues and lengthy turnaround times, could this all be solved with one simple test? Rapid antigen tests are uh, devices for being able to test uh, COVID antigen in just a few minutes. So the test is a lot like this. It's very simple to use, but the technology inside is quite sophisticated. It works differently to the PCR tests many of us have had, which detect the genetic material of the virus. Rapid antigen tests instead detect the virus proteins, which are produced as it infects the cells. They're not as sensitive. They're pretty reasonable, but they're not as good as the molecular tests. Rapid antigen tests are best performed in the first seven days of infection. They're conducted on site, such as in a workplace, with results in as little as 10 minutes. PCR tests are the gold standard. They're very sensitive and ideal in instances of high demand. They require lab processing, but can be turned around within 24 hours. Well, Dean Whiting is a clinical biochemist and CEO of Pathology Technology Australia. We've had uh, 27 uh, occasions where viruses escaped into the community so far from quarantine using um, 
the PCR regime of testing. I think it's high time that we uh, at least supplemented that testing with rapid antigen testing. In May, the federal government ruled that all passengers returning from India would have to undergo a rapid antigen test before takeoff. They were also used for seven months at the Howard Springs quarantine facility with no leaks into the community. Yet, tests aren't commonplace. Virtually everywhere else in the world, every equivalent economy around the world is using huge numbers of these tests. Infectious disease expert Professor Robert Boy says the UK used them in response to its deadly outbreak. They want to get on top of the infection even faster than PCR, where you have to drive somewhere, get a swab, get a result the next day. They want to have a result within 30 minutes. Students and teachers are tested there twice a week. They think it's making a difference. They think it gives people control so that they have more of a, a say in when they get tested and more quickly. And they think that it will control the disease better. That's the speculation. So why hasn't our government jumped on board? Professor Dominic Dwyer is a medical virologist at New South Wales Health Pathology. If the disease is really, really common, then you accept a lower level of sensitivity. So if we're in countries like, say, the US a few months ago or the UK, then the antigen tests are not too bad. But in, in the situation we have in New South Wales, it's all about detecting as quickly and as sensitive as possible so that we can do the contact tracing. And in that situation, you really want the most sensitive tests, like the molecular ones. But for some private industries, it's not about the prevalence, but the peace of mind. In January this year, Opera Australia became the first opera company in the world to use rapid antigen testing, allowing them to really minimise those delays caused by COVID. The cast and orchestra are tested as frequently as every three days. Some believe these tests would be used more if they were included in the medical benefits schedule. PCR tests are funded at the moment and funding uh, rapid antigen tests would, would really help. Um, then they may well be used in, say, general practice, uh, in workplace settings. Regardless, work will continue behind the scenes to ensure Australia is putting its best foot forward. This is a, a, a moving scenario, a moving feast, if you like. So we continue to monitor what's coming into the market, assessing how good they are and trying to work out their value in our systems here in Australia. And the Department of Health cited a number of reasons for rapid antigen tests uh, not being used more broadly. World Health Organisation guidance doesn't recommend their use in areas of low prevalence like Australia. It received expert advice recommending they're only used in certain situations under medical supervision. Uh, and once approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration, it's up to the states and territories to decide, guys, whether or not to use them. But they were used mm. in Howard Springs mm, when correct. the Commonwealth Government had in that story, ran yeah. Howard Springs mm. and there were no leaks out of Howard Springs. That was really successful, And wasn't it? all over, so yep. there is a line of thought, states want to keep controlling it because they get the pathology money. Mm. Yeah, well, it's been bounced around From that, yeah. That's the rumour. Mm. It's flaming politics again. Yes, it always feels like there's something uh, behind it, doesn't it? God, it's getting annoying. All right, Thanks, Sean. thank you, Sean.